Back to the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5. The show name is a reference to how many great Astros' last name begin with the letter B, who were playing back in the 90s when they were not winning World Series. Bagwell, Biggio, Barry, Bell, and eventually Berkman. You might not remember Barry and Bell, but trust me, you'll remember Blank and Brenham. Here they are now, live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios. He's Blank, I'm Branham. We've made listening and watching your favorite sports radio station even easier. We are officially streaming on the ESPN Houston YouTube channel every day. Now you can easily listen and watch anywhere and everywhere. If you listen every day and like us, clicking our YouTube subscribe button makes a big difference for us. It matters. Let us know that you're listening. Smash that like button and subscribe if you've not already done so. Uh, 713-780-ESPN. HRP listener line. 713-780-3776. Um... This is uh, this is Joe's segment. Joe put this in the uh, the rundown today. He says Nick Casario has written a twenty million dollar check. Do you give it to T Higgins, Mike Evans, Jalen Johnson, Jarius Snee, John Grenard, or Josh Allen? Um, Nick Casario's got that kind of money to spend. Yep, he wrote the check. Nick, Nick Casario wrote this check, not uh, not Carrie McNair. Now Carrie slash Cal McNair uh, said that it's okay. Mm. What about Hannah? Yeah, I guess she matters. Who's signing think that check? She's pulling the pulling the checkbook out too. That's They're grabbing true. Janice's arm and forging her signature this on this check. It's a real semantics check. argument here, Chairman. I just know it is. Like, I don't think Nick Casario is signing that twenty yeah, million dollar check. The offer, though. Yeah, I think they're grabbing Janice's arm and okay. making her okay. sign that right. signature okay. that used to look like All hers. Right. Pause. Restart. <laughs> Cal McNair or Hannah McNair or Carrie McNair, probably or Janice. possibly even Janice McNair. We'll see how this medical stuff. It's goes Janice's on. name, but she's not the one yes. signing it. Uh, one of the McNairs has written a check that is for $20 million. They put their signature on it. Nick Casario gets to hand that check to one of these players. Okay. T. Higgins, Mike Evans, Jalen Johnson, Legereus Need I spelled his name wrong. Jonathan Grenard or Josh Allen. You added an A there. I realize that now. Yeah, there's not an A. It's an apostrophe. So you get one big ticket player. Those are your options. So they're taking this offer, right? Yeah, this is, yeah there's no discussion about this. To me, not, it's, to me, it's a no-brainer. Me too. It's Josh Allen. If you're going to get Josh Allen for $20 million a year and add Josh Allen to that defense, you are better. He's better than John Grenard. He is disruptive. He is young, and he would be great here. So that, to me, is it's an easy decision. Yeah, segment over. Can we go to break early? Sure, I, I'm, I, I'm with you on Josh Allen. Um, he's he's better than Grenard. He's been healthier than John Grenard. I don't want to overspend on a wide receiver. Um you know, Higgins, like we're eliminating the idea that Higgins reportedly is going to be franchise tagged. I don't think you need to spend $20 million on a, on a receiver. I think your receiver room is fine if you draft one in the third round and you sign, you know, Jawan Jennings or, or a Samuel. Uh, so I think that you're good there. Uh, I don't want to spend tons of money on receiver. I know a lot of fans do. I don't. Uh, Jalen Johnson, nah, I don't think so. I like Legereus Sneed, but give me defensive end over corner. Um, and if you go defensive end here, maybe you just draft, draft a corner yeah, at yep. number 23, mm-hmm. which I like some of the corners that are there at number 23. Um, now, there's been some thoughts like the Toledo corner might get drafted before that. Uh, Kool-Aid, Kool-Aid, is he really a first-rounder, though? Like, There's some there, there's some kid. corners that are out there. Yeah, I, I think that he's more of a safety long-term, though. So probably out on him uh, as the corner that I would want at number 23. Um, but I have to go Josh Allen here. Um, he's to me, he's the best football player of this list. He's the position that I want the most. If we're throwing John Grenard into the free agent pool, so Josh Allen's the uh, the name I'm going and with. The other thing you got to keep in mind is Mike Evans' rumor is he wants 27. He wants like high end, high end wide receiver one money. 
And if you get them at 20, it's a bargain. But is that, like you said, is that their biggest need to fill with the $20 million? I don't think so. Yeah. Who are you going with, Joe? I would go with Sneed, personally. I, I think that, like, I, I think that adding a corner to that level, and I love Jalen Johnson, too, um, but I, I'm not totally sure that he's not a contract year guy that balled out a little bit extra. Where Sneed's been pretty consistently good the last couple of years. So I, I, I think he would be, to me, the best fit for this team if you're going to do a big ticket item, because you have to replace two corners. Like I, I know, like mm. you're, you're talking nickel. Yeah, yeah. You got to replace. Stingley. You got to replace King, King and Nelson. I think they're going to bring King. I think they're going to try and bring King okay. back. Okay. Well, I want to add in. A, cut him once. Exactly. I would go Jalen Johnson over Legereus Sneed. Really? Yeah. I'm trying cheaper? to. I, I want to go Jalen Johnson. Cheaper. I think he might be. I don't I think, know. I think Sneed's going to be the top I mean, of the Jalen Johnson. Top of the he's, uh, he's younger. I think, like, you know, we don't love pro football focus. He's the number one cornerback Pro in the football NFL. focus, 91 grade. Jerry Sneed, 71 grade. I think Jalen Johnson gets more money. Okay, well, then, now that I'm just, I'm starting to make sure I wasn't biased, I'm definitely paying Jalen Johnson. Yeah, I think he's, he's going to get more money than Jerry Sneed. Yeah. Now, I don't know if he'll be available or not, actually, but, like, I, I think there's a better chance that he's available than Sneed, to be honest. Why is that? They already kind of butchered that negotiations. Oh, the so, Bears did. Yeah, I could they tag like, him though? Would they be interested in doing that? I don't know if they could. I feel like that relationship is untenable if they tag him. They either have to pay him or let him go. Jalen Johnson next to Derek Stingley sounds really, really good. Like is, this guy texted, he said, "Eliminate Josh Allen now." What would your answer be? And that's probably a better conversation since we were so you know heavy on Josh Allen. So me and Snead, I would take Johnson over Snead. Now, what do you do at defensive end? I see. I think the thing about Nick Casero and the reason why I also lean corner is I think that's another position like wide receiver, that he has shown some ability to evaluate without spending big. Jerry Hughes has been a good impact player, not a great player. Yeah, Derek Barnett had moment. three and a half sacks. I just it, show, it seems that Nick Casario, if he needed to bargain hunt or draft a pass rusher, I think I trust him to do that. Now, look, he drafted Stingley as well, but that besides taking him over Sauce, it was kind of a no-brainer, I feel like still. Well, that's, I mean, that wasn't the decision. It was Hilmer Sauce. Um yeah. It just—I don't disagree with your, your, you know, what you just said. Your assessment of that, and I think it's kind of spot on. The D'Amico quote at the end of the year is where it like throws a wrench into all of this, though. We have to be better in the trenches. Our front Brian seven Tyson. has to be better. So, like, whenever he says that, I think they prioritize defensive end. Like, if we eliminate Stephen Nelson, John Grenard from the conversation, they don't resign them. Is their priority defensive end? Is their priority corner? I think it's defensive end. Yeah, I, I, I think that. He's already kind of tipped at least the hand to some degree that I, I keep hearing over and over ringing in my head. The two areas he really wants to focus on is the fact that he wants the running game to be better and he wants the, the defensive front to be better. I think that's why he goes defensive end. Jalen Johnson, though, really intrigues me. How much do you put stock into? Because we watch every Texans game. We don't watch every Bears game unless we're from Chicago, that soft city. Uh, how much stock do you put in the pro football focus grades when you're looking at free agents? Lamont's going to kill me for even asking this question. I think it matters more because we it's it's when I watch the Texans play, I don't care what the pro football focus score says because we watch them like that. Exactly, I, right. I do think we it's... have eye tests for them. We don't have eye tests. I mean, we can eliminate you from this conversation, Joe. I don't have an eye test on Jalen Johnson. Like Jarius Sneed, I have eye tests from the playoffs, and like was I focused in on Jarius yeah, Sneed no. a whole lot? No, not I think really. It's foolish to view it that way, right? I think you have to use pro football focus as a tool. I think so. To win this, and honestly, I think if people are like, oh, I just watch all these games, like, dude, there's. There's there's 18 games every weekend or whatever, 16 games every weekend. Like, you can do it if it's your full-time job. Yeah, but like you can't watch every single game 
it's just not possible. If, unless not. it's your full time job, like yeah. Dan Orlovsky says that he watches every single snap, and people ridicule him, like no way he watches every he watches every single snap. Yeah. You can do yeah. it. You can watch every standalone game live, and then you can watch the condensed games that show every single snap that are forty five minutes. How many games are there a week? There's eight game. There's sixteen games every every yeah, week. So no that's, box, six, yeah. that's six. That's less than sixteen hours. You yeah. can do that on Monday and Tuesday if it's your full time job. So I I totally believe that Dan Orlovsky does that. Like Stephen A. Smith was ridiculed. No way you have time to do that. It's his full time job, and it's 16 hours a week. Yeah, he does. Yeah, well, especially if you we replace don't. things like we don't. playing video games or if you're up at late at night and things like that, you can get it done. I, I mean, the, the, like I watch – and I watch the Packer games fairly consistently. I used to not miss a single snap. But at the same time, you're right. I mean, the more consistently you watch a team, I can get a pretty good eye test on their roster. But pro football focus gives you something that you don't have to do that much work and you're not going to do that for the majority of the teams even five teams in this league i'd be lying to you if i said that i watched the bears play one defensive snap yeah like if you're not watching they're them not a standalone game time, did he like, get lit up that second game against green bay i don't remember i don't remember he wasn't one of the ones calling they were out of the playoffs so i didn't watch it okay <laughs> the i just know over. the secondary was talking a lot of trash and they didn't they didn't do very well but i don't i didn't think it was him no i think it was the flipped a little bit more um, yeah, I just I think that adding a corner like would just be more beneficial to this team. Are you? I guess it's it's a chicken or the egg conversation a little bit. Do you believe that elite coverage benefits your pass rushers more, or elite pass rushers benefits your coverage more? Yes. <laughs> well, I mean, both can be true, right? I, I think that elite coverage gives your pass rushers more time to get home, but I think that you have to still be elusive enough to get home. Yeah, I would when- rather have the better coverage. And maybe and give my defensive line even more time. Like maybe you get more coverage sacks, but your other the edge on the other side is going to be a huge problem. Uh, I, See, I'm I'm a big disrupt the quarterback guy. Yeah, I go D line first. I, I'm I'm make the quarterback do things that he's not comfortable doing. Like like put a bounty gate on Lamar Jackson, um, because that's that's what gets the offense going. Like that's you talk about precision. You talk about. Uh, putting the ball where it needs to be. You talk about getting in this flow. Well, if you disrupt the quarterback, it's hard to find that rhythm. Now you're setting the, the play completely off. You get a little bit of pressure, and Brock Purdy has to scramble to his right, and he's throwing on the run, and all of a sudden he throws it two yards short. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm a big believer in disrupting the quarterback. Now you can say, well, a corner disrupts the quarterback because he takes a receiver, if he's really good, completely out of the play. I understand that. I don't think it's as disruptive as a huge, massive man running at you at full speed, and if he hits you, it's going to cause a lot of pl- a lot of pain. Is, so I put more priority on defensive end. Is it not also fair to say that that even if you have two corners that lock down the two receivers, between the tight end, the backside of the backfield, the options that the quarterback has, if he has time and his clock isn't sped up, that the, he has his he has the different routes being run and, and his different progressions. Mm-hmm. He can still find plenty of ways to get the ball home to someone that's going to get positive yardage. Yeah. Whereas if he's scrambling from his life from the from the word jump, now everything is disrupted and any chance the the chance of succeeding any play goes way down. Yeah, I mean you can you can absolutely make the case both ways. I'm more of a get the pressure on the quarterback, do it immediately because like even the best quarterbacks can. If you have really good corners, okay, well let's let's look at other things. You have good offensive play callers. You know that that. You know, guy might be out of the play. Let's look at our second progression. Let's look at our tight end. Let's look at our running back. You get pressure right in the quarterback as quickly as you can. That disrupts the play. It's a it's a play disruptor. So give me defensive end. Seven one three seven eight zero ESPN. Car wreck of the day coming up next. Get in those uh, car wreck of the day nominees. We're leaving thirty minutes early, and we also have fifty dollars to give away to J Barm. 
We're giving you $50. Don't call all at once. You're going to have to do a little bit of work for this. If you're the first caller who can tell us who... We know that Will Anderson won Texans Defensive Rookie of the Year. Who were the previous two Texans that won Defensive Rookie of the Year? They've had three all-time. They've had Will Anderson. They had two prior. Who are those other two guys? $50 to J-Bar-M on the line. 713-780-ESPN-HRMP. Listener line, 713-780-3776. 50 bucks uh, if you're the correct person, if you're the, the person who correctly answers the question. Car wreck of the day up next. Killer Bees, ESPN 97.5, ESPN 92.5. This is the Car Wreck of the Day brought to you by CarWreckTexas.com. He's blank on Branham. What do you nominate for Car Wreck of the Day? 713-780-3776. By the way, the uh, trivia question. Who are the other two defensive rookie of the years in franchise history for the Texans? D'Amico Ryans and Brian Cushing. Von Miller won the uh, defensive rookie of the year the year that J.J. Watt was a rookie. Mm. Maybe he didn't have a fabulous rookie year. He kind of came on strong in the playoffs. He was solid, but uh, didn't have the rookie year that Mario Von Williams Miller had. had a good I thought he had a pretty year. good rookie year, but didn't win the award. Yeah, those I mean, are my, that was my guesses were J.J. and Mario. And I was how wrong. many sacks do you think Mario had in his rookie year? Uh... Seven and a half? Mm, four and a half. Hmm, that's not so good. Yeah, I wonder who won. Yeah, that's not so great. What do you nominate for your car wreck of the day? I, I'm going to nominate the ending to the Rockets game, period, last night. I thought Tom Thibodeau should have kept his challenge. Uh, and, and I just think that the way Ed Malloy handled everything was, I don't think it was great. I've never been an Ed Malloy fan as an official, even back to his days in the WNBA when he was climbing the ranks. But I just thought that that was a joke, the way that game ended and the fact that it had to end that way. Oh, Mario Williams' rookie year was D'Amico's rookie year. Oh. I would like to nominate the fact that we just asked that trivia question and we should have known that. Well, I didn't know the years. I know, but we should have known that. That was a pretty good draft class there. Yeah, Ma- yeah, you draft Mario. I'm pretty sure Cashley got fired after that draft class. Wasn't it, before, was it right before or right after? I thought he got fired right after. Yeah, he got, he got fired right after. Well, that's the only day. Was it 06, though? Let's see. Cashley fired by Texan. No, he's fired in. That's yeah, he's fired May tenth, two thousand six. So he made that draft. Draft. Mario, (laughs) D'Amico, and then got fired. Great draft. See, tough business. What we did here. See, (laughs) what we did here. See, is we had a good draft. Then they got rid of me. See, yeah, that's crazy. I thought I thought that was right. I started to second guess myself though. (laughs) This guy says Brian Cushion is the only ever two time rookie of the year. One three one seven. How does that happen? I think he. Should, I think he should be nominated for the car wreck. Of yeah, the day. I don't understand. If that's a joke. It's the worst joke I've ever heard. Yeah, Ryan Cushion. Or I'm just stumped. Two time missing the year. The, I'm missing the punchline if it's a joke. Yeah. Not the first time that's happened, but not picking up what he's putting down. Yeah, I'm gonna. Nom- I'm gonna put him for. I'm nominating for car wreck of the day. So, what do you think Ed Malloy did wrong yesterday, though? I mean, for the most part, Ed Malloy normally in the post game press conference to come out and just bl- sit, admit it. They normally don't. Is they that normally, bad? No, it's not that it's bad. It's just that, I mean, I don't know. I, I just felt like if you saw that on the replay, I, I think the fact of the matter is, to me, the biggest gaffe on all of it is you just don't make that call with 
with you know less than a second on the clock and a guy throwing a baseball shot at the. I didn't think it was a foul. You did. Uh, I didn't think there was nearly enough contact to call it at that time of the game. Uh, I just think that's one of those where you let it go, you play on, and you go to yeah. overtime in the best team. I like that you nominated this. I don't like that you nominated Ed Malloy. I don't think you make think that Ed call Malloy, there. He didn't, I, I, he didn't I, make the call. He's on the baseline. It was crew. a sideline official. And then he went, and normally you back your crew, and he went out and said they missed it. Okay. Uh, I, I didn't like the fact that they made the call. I thought, I thought it was his call. No, he was on the baseline. He didn't make the call. He was a sideline official. Yeah, Ed Malloy's catching some strays. All right, so nominate the finish of that game. I'm going to nominate Joe. Joe, for uh, thinking that the Side. UFL, is it the UFL? Oh, he's got a couple then. That the uh, Houston team of the UFL were still the gamblers. He's like, yep. they're not called the Roughnecks, you idiot. Oh, yeah, 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 they are the Roughnecks. And then yeah, I'm nominating another one real quick yeah. here. Joe, yeah. nominating Joe again. For well, the like sides. sides. You can like sides. I think sides are important. He said the sides are more important than the meat when you're talking about barbecue places. So he gets nominated for that too. Two-time nominee. For today, Alex gets to take a break. Might, covered him. might steal some votes from himself for being today's car wreck of the day. What are you nominating, Joe? Ben DuBose's Twitter timeline after the game last night. More than Ake Jasmine's? <laughs> yeah, it was way worse. Ben DuBose's Twitter timeline and Ake Jasmine's were, were very... Brutal. But in different ways. Yes, but because- let me guess. Ben DuBose's had everything to do with officiating. Yeah. It's a- Shock. So did Ake Jasmine's. Yeah. Well, he's just a diehard. Some New random York, New York fan. Yeah. Ake yeah. Jasmine's random. Just- I can't ignore it. It drives me what nuts. Did you do anything? The- I just I hate like like the the attacking, at, like the, it's like the reverse course. Like how bad the refs are, and all of a sudden it was defending the refs almost. But then it flipped again to being like, you've never seen Houston get screwed before. They had a ball go in and out of the hoop against San Antonio. The uh- <laughs> it's a pretty good South Park Ben Ben Debose. That was fantastic. I like Ben. I think Ben does some like good stuff on his Twitter and all that. Agreed. Him, him, and officials. His tough. tweets on officials oh. might be the worst tweets that exist on my timeline. Yes. Sorry, Ben, but it's true. I also think he does some good stuff, but yeah. the official nonsense—it's a lot. It's non. I think that's the thing. It's a lot. It's umpires. It's refs. It's every sport, and they're all out to screw the Houston team. Yeah. Every single, they're all trying to screw the Houston team. You want some truce on officials? You want some? Like some of them probably do have like a little some guys they don't like and might you know officiate some guys a little differently than others. Scott Foster, Tony Brothers have been Rockets sure. haters, quote unquote, in the past. Yeah, but you know what they're really rooting for? Those guys. You know what they're really rooting for more than anything else? The game to end. They're rooting for a fast game. They're rooting for the game to end. That way they can clock out. They can move along to the next city. They're not rooting for anybody. They're not rooting for Team A. They're not rooting for Team B. They're trying to get out of there. They're trying to They're trying to go back to the hotel. And not That's screw what they're up trying to so do. they can like get real jobs. Like they, so they can get the NBA Finals. So they can get the Super Bowl. Yeah. Like they're not they're going not to intentionally screw over this. players. That's... That's the most accurate statement. These guys know that they're being judged and graded on everything, especially with the final two minutes at the next day, too, that come out. They want to get the calls right, but there is some human element to it where if you've had run-ins with guys in the past, look at, look at Scott they still rather yeah, you, They, they well, still prioritize finishing the game over that. I'm not, I'm not disputing that there's a little bit of bias every now and then, but they're still trying to get out of there more than anything else. They're still rooting for a quick game. I think... I, I, th- I would disagree with that. I think their first priority, because of their egos and everything else, is to get every call right. And then maybe we'll, we can have discussion on after that. Yeah, what They, they are hammered on getting every call right. Yeah, they also have tenure. 
But the they're also last graded. Game wins. Yeah, but they're also graded by their calls accuracy. All right, last night's ending wins. We got to get out of here early. Texas A and M on the road taking on Vanderbilt. Uh, Texas A and M coming off the big win against Tennessee, trying to keep the momentum rolling. Andrew Monaco on the call. Aggie basketball next. Talk to you tomorrow, Houston. So long.